0: So uh, tonight, as I was preparing for the service tonight, I, um, I kind of had one thing on my mind, but I felt like that I wanted to finish up what I was sharing on Sunday. Not, not maybe finish it up, but continue on a little bit further. Uh, I didn't have very many notes Sunday, but I didn't get to all of them. And I thought, well, the rest of them probably are important. So I'm gonna p- kind of pick up, because this is the time of year We talked about peace on Sunday, and this is a time of year when uh, we kind of emphasize peace, because the angels emphasized peace. Whenever they appeared to the shepherds, they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, they could have said a lot of different things. Uh, You know, they could have said, well, uh, uh, the Son of God has come on earth, or they could have said... uh, you know salvation has come a lot of different things which would all have been true but they they said peace on earth goodwill to men and so the goodwill part is a part of peace so i want to go to the foundation scripture and i just in haggai 2 uh, i'm going to start in verse uh, 8 um And I know I, do you happen to have that in the message too? But don't, don't. Oh, okay. We'll go both. Uh, God is speaking through Haggai. Haggai, And they have just, they're in the process of building uh, the temple that had been torn down. And so uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I do know why this ministered to me so much. is because we are in the process of building as well. And I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I know that this is a uh, unique time for us individually. But it's a unique time for us as a church. I don't know if you n- realize this, but we've never built a church before. Not a building. <laughs> we've bu- been building the spiritual church for a long time. So it's a unique time. And so this is why it stood out because, uh, to me because... Uh, we're believing that we're going to be able to build this building debt-free. So far, we've been able to. You know, the, you know, we get right down, and then we get some more, and then we get right down, and then we get some more. And I, I just told, um, t- I, I've been telling the staff, you know, I, uh, I am totally at peace about it. It's not my problem. You know, this building fund is not my problem. This is not my project. This is God's problem. This is God's project. And so he says in here, and this stood out to me, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord, Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house, with its successor to which Jesus came, so there was another house that was built later too, the latter, the latter glory of this house with its successor to which Jesus came, shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts and in this place I will give peace and prosperity says the Lord of hosts now this is what just really stood out to me because I had been uh, seeking the Lord about building on the foundation you know that that's been kind of a theme so I had been seeking the Lord about building on the foundation how do we do it how do we do it and uh, what God spoke to me was it's not something that we do it's something that we become as a church and so i'm going to focus on that till the lord tells me different because i know that there's a lot of things that we're going to do we're going to have projects we're going to you know we're going to have outreaches we're going to do we're going to try to reach the community we're going to try to get more souls saved than we've ever done before. We're going to we're going to do all those things, but we're in the process of becoming right now what God wants us to be as a church. And he wants us to be a church that is powerful and has um has a vision for people out there, a vision for what God has for us. And we can't do that when we're mess we're struggling for peace on the inside of us so let's look at that in the message bible i own the silver and i own the gold decree of god of the angel armies and i kind of like the way that the message puts that because when it says lord of hosts that's what it means the the god of angel armies and that makes us more aware that we're not alone we may not see them we're not alone So this temple, and I just envision that building setting out there, going up, becoming more and more beautiful every day, more and more finished every day. This building is going to end up far better than it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. Because that's what I'm interested in. That's what God's interested in. How well are we going to finish? Uh, we're going to have some opposition, yes. We have had opposition. But we're going to finish. We're going to finish strong. And it's a place which I will hand out wholeness and holiness, decree of God of the angel armies. So uh, the last time I ministered on Wednesday night, I talked about those four elements the peace and prosperity, wholeness and holiness. And I really uh, centered in on holiness that. Uh, on that Wednesday night that I taught. Tonight I want to kind of center in on peace, but I want to bring it all together. So uh, I want to go to 2 Peter, the first chapter, again, because this is a great definition of peace. And I, this is the vision that I have, and I think we should all have for our individual lives and for the church as a whole. The church as a whole is made up of individuals that have dealt with things in their lives. And they've become warriors for God. So may grace, and this talks about God's favor, which we know also includes God's ability working in us, uh, enabling us to do what we can't do on our own. So God's grace and peace. And so here's the definition of peace, which is perfect well-being. How many of you experience that on a regular basis? Don't raise your hand, but um, just check yourself. Do you have peace? Do you have perfect well-being in your life? That's, part, that's what peace is about, part of it. All necessary good, which is part of the definition that I gave you from the Greek which is nothing missing, nothing lacking, um, nothing broken. That's a, that's a definition. I may, that may be from the Hebrew, but it carries over into the Greek as well. So perfect well-being, all necessary good. Anything <clears throat> that you need that is good all spiritual prosperity. And we can prosper spiritually, especially if we walk in peace. And then freedom from fears. This is so priceless. Freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. You know, I talked to when uh, just a little while ago, I said that when you have the knowledge, a correct knowledge of God, which this goes on to say uh, it is through the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. But if you have a knowledge, a correct knowledge of God, then it reveals any agitating passions in your life. If you're not walking in love, if you're, if you're walking in anger, if, if there's something in your life, That is agitating your life. And if it's agitating your life, guess what? You're probably agitating somebody else's life as well. So agitating passions and moral conflicts. You know, there's a lot of controversy about a lot of different things today. Is it right or is it wrong? Is it right or is it wrong? Well, we can know what's right and wrong by the peace that we have on the inside of us. We can know that. Uh, Colossians, I didn't give you Colossians 3.15, but um, if you could just bring that up real quick. Oh, she's good. And let the peace, the soul harmony, which comes from Christ rule. Act as an umpire continually. Why do we need umpires in games? Because they can recognize what's right and what's wrong. When somebody's doing something wrong, they blow their whistle. It's wrong. Uh, So we need an umpire in our life to guide us into what is right and what's wrong. And if we will pay attention to peace, we will know when something's right or something's wrong. And when we live in peace over a period of time, and then all of a sudden there's agitation, we know something's going on. And sometimes, you know, I will wake up of a morning and I will feel a little discomfort in my spirit and I don't feel that peace. That's when I get before God and I start praying. And I don't know how to pray on, on what, I don't know what's going on, but that's when I pray in the spirit and I pray and I pray and I pray until I get peace because I don't know for sure what I'm praying about. But that peace acts as an umpire in my heart. And then it decides and settles with finality all questions that arise in your mind and in that peaceful state. And I just want to mention God's plan is that we live in a peaceful state. And that's not talking about Oklahoma. But it's more peaceful in some states. But it's a peace where we, we continually have peace in our life to which members of Christ's Christ's one body, to which as members we're called to live. Go ahead. We're called to live. That's what we are called to live this way. And be thankful and appreciative and give praise to God always. So it basically says we live in peace and we should actually live in thanksgiving as well. So uh, peace is very, very important. It's so important that... Jesus said in uh, John 14, 27, he says, my peace I leave with you. Jesus had a bunch of peace. He says, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now, the only peace the world has is when every single thing is going right. And how often does that happen? (laughs) That everything—I mean, the weather's right, everybody treats you right, you're paying all your bills, and everything is just going smooth—and that's when the world has peace. But that's the—but you, you bring up one little thing, and their peace is gone. It's not as the world gives. So Jesus is saying, now listen, <coughs> you're involved in this. I'm going to give you my peace. But you are going to have to not allow some things to happen. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. Jesus is saying that uh, it's an important thing for you to watch What's going on in your life? If there's fear, if there's agitation, you know, people predetermined pre, uh, the agitation in their life. They'll say, uh, if that letter doesn't come today, I'm going to be so aggravated. Well, guess what? If the letter doesn't come, you've already predispositioned yourself to be aggravated. So you can the words of your mouth can can cause aggravation, it could also cause fear. I'm just afraid that da 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 da. So <clears throat> Jesus said, "Quit it, just quit it. How easy is that? uh not real, easy till you practice it. But Jesus said it is possible uh I Mark, the fourth chapter, talks about an incident that um, where Jesus demonstrated this, and I kind of alluded to it on Sunday, but uh, sometimes I don't have time to really get out all the things that the Holy Spirit's showing me about this, but uh, I was studying this many years ago just to see, well, what, you know, what was the problem that Jesus had with the disciples? I mean, this... When the storm came and Jesus was sleeping soundly in the boat and the water was coming, and I mean, to me, if the water was coming up over the sides of the boat, to me, it's a normal reaction to be afraid. Because I know quite well that boats do not float when they get full of water. And I know that I don't float. When I'm in the water. Nor do I swim. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure these disciples knew how to swim. But but they were fearful. And they, they even accused Jesus of not caring. And uh, they made a, a prophetic declaration. They said we are perishing. I'm sure that was just like. Somebody scratching on a blackboard with, with Jesus is like, he said we're perishing? So uh, um, in verse 39, he says, so he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush now, be muzzled, and the wind ceased. That is, it sank to rest as if exhausted by its beating, and there was immediately a great calm and a what? A perfect peacefulness Now Jesus had perfect peacefulness when he was asleep in the boat The storm was still raging And so what he did his peacefulness affected the whole atmosphere around him When he woke up and he saw the storm he didn't he didn't say Oh my goodness! I can't believe what is happening, and just you know, chewing his fingernails and they "Get row faster! Come on, find something and dip the water out." And uh, he had perfect peacefulness, even when he saw the storm. Now that was what I want to impress on you tonight: is in the middle of the storm, you can have perfect peacefulness and it will affect everything around you it listen perfect peacefulness will release the supernatural you can put that on your refrigerator door perfect peace will release the supernatural on your behalf that's what happened with Jesus here that's what happened with me when I had that wreck, when I stepped out of that car, I had perfect peacefulness. I have to tell you, it was supernatural. The words that came out of my mouth was supernatural, and it released the supernatural on my behalf. And I have a supernatural replacement on my car. It was all a supernatural event, but it was a test. Attest to my peace. So I know that you can have supernatural, perfect peacefulness. And Jesus pinpointed the problem with the disciples. He said to them in verse 40, why are you so timid and fearful? How is it that you have no faith, no firmly relying trust? Perfect peacefulness in your life will come about through faith and trust in God. That's the only way. You can't keep it because everything goes great. Perfect peacefulness happens because your trust is not in anything around you or in anything you can do. Faith in God brings about the supernatural change that you need. I ran across a scripture in Isaiah that uh, stood out to me and it also kind of grieved me. In Isaiah 50, starting in verse 10, who is among you who reverently fears the Lord? Now, I think every one of us here could say we reverently fear the Lord here. And who obeys the voice of his servant. Uh, And he's talking about obeying the voice of the prophets uh, in this setting. But we could say obeys the voice of the Lord. Well, that sounds like a really good Christian person, doesn't it? Somebody that fears the Lord and obeys the voice of the servant or obeys God through the servants, yet, listen to this, yet who walks in darkness and deep trouble and has no shining splendor in his heart. Now, I want to ask you, do you know Christian people that would say, you know, they they carry their Bibles to church, they may have their their, uh, crosses around their neck, they may have their bumper stickers, they may wear all these T-shirts that has all these great verses on it, Yet, they walk in darkness and deep trouble and have no shining splendor in their hearts. There are people that are struggling, and they don't know why. And right in this particular scripture, it tells us why they're struggling. Uh, let, then, then he says, if you're that way, let him rely on, trust in, and be confident in the name of the Lord, and let him... Lean on and be supported by his God. So it's saying here, you may you may talk about God that you love God and you and all these things. Uh, you may say, call him Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that he says. Isn't that what Jesus said in Luke six? You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you to do. But this says, well, they obey the voice. But there was a problem with their relationship with God. They didn't really trust him. And they didn't rely on him. And so this is what happens in verse 11. Behold all of you enemies of your own self. Who attempt to kindle your own fire. And work out your own plan of salvation. Who surround and gird yourself with momentary sparks, darts, and firebrands that you set aflame. Now, you say, well, who, who would do that? Well, I know of people that when trouble comes or problems come, instead of going to God and trusting God, they turn to some other crutch. There are even Christians that turn to alcohol or drugs or something that makes them feel good. They're trying to uh, momentarily light some sparks and darts and firebrands that you set aflame. It's your, you do it because it makes you feel good. But you're not turning to the God that can change circumstances. And then it goes on to say, and you walk by the light of your self made fire. And in the sparks that you have kindled for yourself, if you will. But this shall you have from my hand. You shall lie down in grief and in torment. Whenever we don't do things God's way, we can't expect to walk in peace. There's going to be torment. There's going to be grief. Because anything that you put in the place of God to meet a need that God can meet, but you're turning to something else, there's repercussions. There's consequences. And you're not walking in God's light. You're making your own light. And it's not adequate. It is not adequate, and it always has side effects. Always. Always. I have to tell you, God's peace is a great side effect for trusting in God. I would rather have that side effect than any other. And so, in Psalms 4, 8 tells us why Jesus was able to sleep in the storm. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you, Lord, alone makes me dwell in safety and confident trust. That's why Jesus could sleep. He had perfect peace because he had his trust in God for the safety. I mean, I'm sure when he stood up in that boat and he looked at those wind, that wind and those waves and the water maybe around his feet, it never even dawned on him. That he was in danger. Not even for a moment. Because he had confident trust in God. A firm relying trust in God. Now I have two things. That I have written down here. That will disturb our peace. And I'm not going to have time to get to them. But I did mention them both on Sunday. But uh, I'm just trying to see what, um, which scriptures I want to pull out for the next minute or two. Uh, let's look at Isaiah 32, 17. The effect of righteousness will be peace, both internally and externally, and the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. Now, one thing you have to have in your life and maintain to maintain peace is the sense of righteousness. That you're right with God. If you don't, if you don't know that you're right with God, then I have to tell you the results is insecurity, fear. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I know right all early on, I, uh, I Rick, you know I would be living in peace, and then maybe I'd get in strife with my husband. And when I did that, I mean all the old fears that I'd ever had came crashing back on me, all the old insecurities. And I realized that the only way that I could have confident trust in my life where I could feel confident, it's when I maintained my sense of righteousness. And that's what 1 John 1, 9 says. It says, if you confess your sin, whatever it might be, is faithful and just to forgive us. This, she's got it up there in the Amplified. If we freely admit that we've sinned and confess our sins, we need to keep ourselves clean, as clean as we would in our physical bodies. You know, uh, I just uh, wrote this down. Sin disturbs your sense of righteousness like mud interferes with your sense of cleanliness. You know, if, you don't, if you've been wallowing around in the mud, which I'm sure you don't do on purpose, but when I was a little girl, I don't know, I was probably in the first grade, we had this kind of deep ditch behind our house, and it had rained a day or two before that. And I, I was young, little, and I, just, I was just running along f- home from school. And I started down that ditch, and it was slick with mud. And I slipped down, and I got mud all over me. I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember the horror of the mud on me. And I went home crying. I I thought something horrible had happened to me. But that was easily fixed. You know, it just took a bath. Sin is the same way. It is easily fixed. But put that back up there now, would you please? Uh, If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises. He will forgive our sins. Dismiss and our lawlessness and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything not in conformity to his will and purpose, thought and action. And that word cleanse means uh, purified from sin and from guilt. Once you get purified from sin, once you get purified from guilt, then you're right back, right back. Into that sense of righteousness. That's where we want to stay. Because the effect of righteousness. Is peace. And we want to keep that peace. I want to look at. um, uh, Psalms 34.14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek inquire for and crave peace. And pursue and go after it. Now put up uh, Hebrews um, 12, 14. Follow peace, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Leave that up there for just a minute. That word follow, mean it, it's, it's a word that me, it means something kind of like a hunter that's chasing after a trophy game, some trophy game. Now... I overheard a conversation Sunday about cash. Cash. Did you not get you a is it was it a deer elk? Okay. That's even better. That's harder unless you're out here on our game reserve but uh, you wouldn't dare do that. But <laughs> he got an elk. Now, I have never hunted. I will never hunt. I have shopped, and we will get to that. It's the only way I know to relate to these guys. Because they will weather, all kinds of weather, to go out and chase an elk or a deer, or like Brad, he likes to hunt wild hogs. And it's like their eyes light up. Whenever they talk about it, they take pictures of their game that they bagged. And it's like, do you want to see a picture? And I think, sure. So they show me the picture, and there's uh, this person with this dead deer or whatever it is. And I say, oh, that's wonderful. Yes, that's a deer that's an elk, oh yeah, uh-huh. And I'm thinking, okay, I hope they understand that I really am excited about this but because I know how excited they are. But, but that's their, I mean, they, they're on hot pursuit. They're following after what they want. I mean, they're going after it with everything. I mean, they may have to put on 10 layers of clothes But they don't care. They have to walk through mud. They don't care. They're just going because they have a goal in mind. They have an elk. They have a deer. Whatever it is they're after. They're pursuing it. They're going after it. This is the meaning of this follow after. Pursue peace. It should be top priority in our lives. We we should not be doing it just half-heartedly. Just like, well, you know, so I'm not at peace today. Oh, well, no big deal. It's a big deal. The Bible, we read this. The Bible says that's the way we're supposed to live. That's what God wants. Now, the reason why it's so important is because Jesus paid the price to obtain our peace. He paid a high price so that you can you and i can live in peace and i think it would be a slap in the face of our god if we tried to to build our own fire determine our own salvation try to struggle in darkness and struggling instead of walking in peace there is peace for everyone i don't care who what you've done i don't care what kind of childhood you had? There is peace for you if you'll pursue it like Cash did. That elk. I mean, he, pro- you know, I know that Nate gets in shape to go hunting. You know why he gets in shape? I know he has to walk, but he gets in shape because he's planning on carrying out how many pounds of meat? Lots of pounds of meat. So he gets in shape because he is determined that he's going to get what he goes for. Now, I want to encourage you. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you struggle with peace in any area, pursue it. God's greatly involved in you getting what you He wants you to have. He's greatly involved. So that was number one. And so we're going to, I'm just going to tell you what number two is and then we're going to close. But to guard your thoughts. We've got to guard our thoughts. Um, Put up uh, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both in its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on, and hopes confidently in you. Keep that up there for a minute. I, I, was just, I just wanted to get a vision of what he was talking about with the inclination and the character. And so I looked up what inclination means, and it's the nat- natural tendency of your mind and then the character is the is what makes you distinctive as an individual so i i just wrote this down um, to make help me to understand this scripture better a person whose mind is inclined and it has been become habitual to be on god will have constant peace so an a person that has a natural tendency and it becomes habitual for their mind to be stayed on Christ, on Jesus, on his word. They're the ones that will have constant peace. You got to do something with your mind. You know, some people have an inclination to be negative. They won't have a lot of peace in their life. No matter what comes, their their mind's going to go to the negative side. And if they go to the negative side, your mind is not on God or his word. So if we have an inclination of our mind to be negative, that's a good place to start pursuing peace, to start looking positive, You can always see the negative in every situation. Always. But there's always a God side. Oh, well, this is going to turn out for my good. You just watch. I know the devil tried to do this, but you just watch. It's going to turn out for my good. That's a mind that has an inclination to dwell on the God side, the supernatural side. And he is faithful to do what he said he would do. So stand with me. I would like to uh, look at Philippians 4, but we won't have time tonight. It talks about the uh, formula for maintaining peace. You pray, you thank God, and then God's peace comes And garrisons around your mind and your heart. And then you keep your mind stayed on the things that are good and lovely and all those things. So that's another sermon for another time. But my desire is that in this place, in this house, that we walk in peace. And we're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see the glory of God in this place. We're going to see people born again, filled with the Spirit, healed, delivered. We're going to see holiness in this place. When people think about Victory Center, they're going to think about a holy people. That's my goal. I hope that's your goal. Because we want to be like Jesus.
1: Thank you for joining us at Victory Center Online. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If there is anything that we can do for you during this season or at any time, do not hesitate to contact us. You may do so by sending us an email at contact at VictoryCenter.org. Please go to our website, also VictoryCenter.org, and fill out the prayer request form. We would love to pray for you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.